When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. My guest this week is Nino Dakara, the founder and president of Electric Autonomy Canada, an independent news outlet focused on our country's transition to electric vehicles, autonomous transportation, and new mobility services. Simply put, it is required reading for anyone with an interest in the evolving EV revolution. What I like about Electric Autonomy Canada's website is that it provides original journalism with all the associated professional principles. It serves as an interactive forum for opinions and insights on sustainable transportation technology, and it offers a deep and growing database of research case studies and solutions. Government policy is also a major aspect of its coverage. And it's not just road vehicles they report on. There are dedicated sections on micromobility, marine, rail, and aviation. Nino and his team of staffers and contributors at Electric Autonomy Canada are providing a remarkable platform that showcases the ideas, innovation, and people who are driving the country's transition to sustainable and clean transportation. Well, it's really great to have you on the podcast, Nino. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. So, as I do with all my guests, let's start out with asking you the first EV you ever drove and your impressions of it. Ah, it was a Kia Soul, uh, a black and, and red one um, that actually my, my friend had on, on Turo, the, the renting app. And uh, it, it just sort of had all the delight that EVs have had for me ever since in terms of being smooth and quiet and responsive and having that feeling of not burning um, burning carbon and pollutants out of the back of it. It just gives you its own sort of separate delight. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a revelation, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's just such a, yeah, it's just such a, you know, you always feel like you're floating a bit in an EV. Uh, and I think also around a similar around the similar time, I I test driven an EV at the plug and drive center um, in in the Toronto area, which uh, um, is run by Cara Clairman. and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think very very close to that time, I'd also test driven an EV there as well. And uh, and actually, in terms of experience, the thing that took me most by surprise was the one pedal driving where when you lift off the accelerator or gas pedal, if you like, the car automatically starts the braking sequence very gently. And, um, you know, I see other people go through this themselves now and, it, you know, it always takes people by surprise and it takes a bit of getting used to. But it's one of those things that actually makes driving a lot easier because um, because the uh you know, you're not having to switch your foot between the accelerator and brake all the time. And it's a lot safer because the car brakes more responsively as well. So, yeah, those are those are, those are the first impression. So so before we kind of talk about electric vehicles and about your wonderful uh, um, media platform, you know, I, I read your bio and I, I want to know how a guy who is running a media awards foundation ends up building this this remarkable media company like Electric Autonomy Canada. 
Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, the, um, yeah I, was, I was lucky enough to be chair of the National Media Awards Foundation for, for, for a couple of years. And, and that's a, a volunteer position that professionals in the, in the media industry uh, are sometimes invited to take on. So the, the core of my uh, career really is in, it really is in a combination of media and marketing. I got a background in working for um, consumer and also business media. And, um, and then my sort of more recent career um, was more on the marketing side, uh, running marketing agencies and delivering marketing communication um, activations, if you like, for, for, for clients. And uh, I've had a great career and, and really enjoyed you know, everything that I'd done up until, you know, well, well, I should say right through, you know, till about, I guess it was about five years ago now, where I really felt the calling to do something a little bit more uh, purpose-driven and, and mission-driven. And, you know, seeing all the challenges that the world has, I, I kind of wanted to be doing something about it. And and then I, so I spent quite a bit of time looking around the, the I was interested in, I was always interested in EVs, but I, I couldn't see, I couldn't see a business or I couldn't see a role relating to the EV industry. So at the time I just thought, well, people will buy an electric car and that's it. There's, there's not much else to, to, to do. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, you've, boy, you've, since, since then you've discovered otherwise. Yeah. Like, boy, was that a wrong assumption? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I spent a couple of years, you know, really looking at other energy opportunities in the energy space, looking at solar and battery storage, which are areas that excited me. But then, I was volunteering with the EV owners group, the EV society. And through, through my experience working with the, the really knowledgeable people in, in that organization and some of the exposure I got to industry, it, it really started to dawn on me that this, that this transition to EVs is, is, is huge, hugely disruptive and is actually going to affect many, many different parts of our, of our society and um, economy. And, uh, I, you know, ha- having worked in, in business to business media before, I'd seen the role that a trade media or trade publication could, could have in helping an industry kind of recognize itself, um, <laughs> to, to help, uh, help people within that industry learn about each other and meet each other and to, you know, sh- showcase best practice, champion uh, leaders. And, uh, I, I really felt that there, there could be a role for a media in that and so in in 2019 i i i took the leap to to doing a startup and uh that's how electric autonomy got started so i mean you say it was like a a, a kind of trade publication it, it certainly in my mind has grown well beyond that i mean it's it's a resource that i probably go to every day at least once just to see that i mean you have incredible news you have great journalism um it's 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 a new site, but it's also, as you say, kind of a peer-to-peer site for, for policymakers, for um, industry players. Was that always your vision to make it that, that depth or was it, has it just kind of um, added things as it's gone along? Yeah, thanks. And, and I'm glad we're a, a useful resource and it, you know, it, it means a lot to hear that. And uh, um, yeah, it was always the, the kind of vision to be the place where, there was quality news and information because there's, you know, I mean, certainly a few years ago, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of inaccurate information, you know, not always intentional, but in fact, mostly not intentional. And I felt that if there was something that's kind of industry rooted in the industry and that 
that was of the industry that, that we could present accurate and quality information that would help business leaders and policymakers make more confident decisions on, on adopting this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think when we launched it, it was always the ambition, but it's, it's like quite a tall, you know, quite a tall thing to achieve that. And I, I have to say it's a full credit to Brian Banks, our editorial director, Emma Jarrett, our managing editor, um, and our in-house reporter, Manaj Yacoub, and, and a whole roster of freelance journalists who've, who've really put their put their back into and effort and professionalism into uh, creating the content that you, you see and experience. So I know you're, I mean, we've been trying to connect for the last couple of weeks. Um, you're a busy guy with this, with this um, media company, but obviously you're obviously a, a, a very in-demand person to speak with major media outlets. Um, you attend conferences, workshops on EVs, sustainability, uh, transition away from fossil fuels. I mean, you're, you're an amazing resource because you, you're, you kind of have your hand in so many things and you, you listen to so much. And, and I just wonder, um, because of that immersion in, in the EV subject matter for you, how confident are you that we truly are on the road to, to full electric, electrification for our transportation sectors? I won't give you, I, I won't ask a timeline because that's a, a, you know, a minefield for many reasons. But I mean, have we, have we turned the, uh, you know, the, the, the fabled turning point? I mean, are we there? <laughs> well, no, I don't think we are. And I mean, we published a story in 2019 and I remember it had the headline of EV market at a tipping point, question mark. Question <laughs> right. mark. And, and I still see other media writing those headlines today. <laughs> right. And, um, and so I think the, for me, it, it won't, we won't have achieved it until we've achieved it. I think it's, um, there's, there's too many pressures. There's too much inertia and there's too many pressures around the status quo of the combustion vehicle industry, if you like. And, and, and that's, that's not a criticism or anything. I think it's just a statement of fact. I think for us to move from one, one energy system to a new energy system for fueling 24 million vehicles on Canada's roads, it's it's an enormous disruption and enormous change and when you when you look at all the areas that need to kind of become expert and efficient and proficient in the ev space you know it's not just the car makers it's the utilities it's it's policy makers it's um you know infrastructure providers um the it's drivers and, and owners there's there's so much to be done and the, you know, the number of EVs that are sold, you know, luckily in Canada, the number of EVs that are sold as a percentage of all vehicles sold um, every quarter is, is generally increasing. Yes. Um, so the, the trend is is going in the right direction. Um, but I think we've, you know, for, for those of us who believe in this as our future, you know, who, who are looking for a cleaner, safer, more economical future, you know, we've we've got a lot of work to do to help make the transition stick. Is there, is there one, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, you know, the myriad things that have to all fit together for this to kind of be a foundation for it to really start growing on. Is there one thing right now in, you know, October of 2022, where we need to put our shoulder to the wheel to get to have other things fall behind or, 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 you know, get in line and, and move ahead or are they all needing to rise at the same time? I, I, I mean, I, my, my personal view on this is that, yeah, certainly they all need to rise at the same time. But 
I think that consumer and public education is 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 the number one thing that can pull everything else along. And I think that's why you know, your, your podcast and, and your efforts in this regard are important and, and, uh, and others in the space is that as, as soon as people understand that the objections around EVs, you know, that, that there are a few use cases where EVs, you know, don't, won't make a sensible alternative right now, right. but in the vast majority of cases they, they do. And I think as, as soon as people realize that the benefits that they can enjoy and that it's worth you know, say to people, you know, keep the car that you've got until, until you can find and afford the EV that you want. Um, then I think if everybody kind of keeps their powder dry, if you like, or, you know, <laughs> saves their pennies until they can actually get the, you know, the EV that they want, I think it will help the market actually realize that actually selling combustion vehicles isn't, you know, as profitable as it would be to go all in on, on, on EVs and to push even faster on that on that transition so I, I i get you know what i'm pointing to is like you know consumer pool um but you know and su- supply there's lots of consumer in- interest and demand right now and i think like a you know uh, the, the the waiting lists for evs are, are very high much higher than regular combustion cars which are, are high as well obviously because of a number of reasons um but I, but i do think that consumer piece is a is 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 for me the key one you know, both you and I have been following this for some time. Um, infrastructure, that seems to be the, the, the I, don't, I don't want to call it the mainstream media because that's almost a derisive term. I don't mean that by any means, but kind of the, the big media outlets that aren't always automotive focused are, have kind of latched on to infrastructure as kind of the issue. Um, obviously, it is an issue. Is it as big an issue, do you think, as it's being made of? Uh, yeah, I I I I think that infrastructure is is a huge issue, and we need to be dealing with it now for the vehicles that are going to be hitting the roads in the next in the next few years. Um, I think for people who are considering going for an EV right now, especially if you can charge at home, I think this is like the key thing. If you can charge at home, if you've got like an off street parking or a charger, a, a public charger in your, in your residential neighbourhood, then it's actually very compelling to go. For, for an EV now like I don't you know and if you're an average driver there's, there's absolutely the public charging infrastructure is is going to support you fine I, I think you know I think it is right that we're accelerating the conversation around public charging because um, we, we need lots more public charging to come although I don't think it's it's critical if you're thinking of buying an EV right now so I welcome the discussion and amplification, but I wouldn't want it to put people off buying an EV today. Right, right. And I think like like so many things, um, as you mentioned, the, this public perception is something in the, 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 I'll call them skeptics of EVs. I don't want to be more, you know, uh, strong than that. They They certainly point out infrastructure because essentially their expectation is for an electric vehicle to operate just like a gas powered vehicle in terms of the charging, in terms of, you know, I only want to be at the pump or the charger for five minutes and be on my way. Yeah. You know, it's an expectation that is, that is easy to point out that won't be met um, until there's some major breakthroughs in batteries and in charging technology. But it, it seems a very unfair one to kind of uh, throw in the, throw in the way of, uh, of, of progress of this, of this um, sector. Yeah, there's an expression I use that is um, that the 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 
the EV drivers, the only people who have range anxiety are non-EV drivers. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, people who drive EVs, they, they get used to, say, either charging at home and having the joy of leaving your house with a full charge every day. So you actually very rarely have to find public charging anyway. Yeah. But if you do anticipate using public charging, then you just get used to planning it. And and this is where the education comes in, is that with EVs, you, you use an app to find those chargers. But with, with gas stations, combustion vehicle drivers are used to just finding them. You know, they're just, they're just everywhere. And you, you can find them quite happily. And, you know, I, I think having combustion vehicle drivers understand that, um, yeah, there are chargers around. It's just that they're not as visible on the sides of our streets and highways as, um, as gas stations are. And that with the use of an app, you can quickly find them. Yeah. So I think, you know, I've got, I've got a, a friend who's just helping his dad buy a car now and his dad's in, in his early eighties and, um, you know, isn't, isn't terrific with a phone. And so, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I don't think going with a pure EV is, is, is the best option for, for somebody like that, because right. I, I, I do think having a, a comfort with, uh, sort of cell phone and, and app technology is, is, a is, is quite important. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, you know, something that is legitimate in the discussions about the, the failings of infrastructure right now is the fact that there's this kind of myriad network of, of providers that all have different fobs and cards and things as opposed to just pulling into anyone and pulling out a charge card, a visa card or a debit card and, and doing it. And until I think it's going to have to be government regulation gets involved, that is, is another barrier, I think, in people's minds. Yeah, that and that is a real, a real, a real issue in in the in the user experience. Yeah, that I, I, Andrew, I think it's a really key point. Um, that that simplifying the EV charging experience, because you just say, yeah, you know, some you can use a credit card, and others you'll need an app. Some you'll need to add credit to an account in order to activate the charger. Um, and I, I think having and national standards, whether they're set by the federal government or one of the industrial bodies that actually, you know, um, acts as a coordinator of um, industry stakeholders to develop standards. I think it's something we've got to fairly quickly get on to. Andrew and his guest will be right back after this word from our sponsor. One of the things I really love about your, your, your media platform, the website, is you have lots of government stuff. You have lots of policy um, which is such an integral part of this whole equation that, you know, the manufacturers have made the cars, the cars are out there. You can put a home charger in. So you've got this, this little world of your own, but the big picture is really governments federally, provincially and municipally need to kind of come together. And it, I just don't get a sense that they're doing that. They all seem to be doing their own thing. I, th- I, th- I think there are movements towards it. And I think the industry is, is getting organized, but we're, we're not there yet. Yeah and industry and policymakers, I, I think everyone's kind of getting increasingly comfortable with working together and realizing where the, where the sort of value connections are between different industry groups and stakeholders. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's part of that collaboration that's needed. That's all new, you know, these are all new relationships with the organizations that wouldn't historically have, have kind of worked together. Right. Um, yeah. Speaking of government, um, you, you're, you know, I read on your site all the time about, you know, it seems every week, every week that goes by, there's a new um, government uh, battery manufacturer announcement, you know, um, VW, Mercedes recently have all kind of, you know, shown up with with Trudeau and and 
signed letters of intent to to produce batteries here. Um, do you is that a reality? I mean, I, I really hope it is because I think Canada is so well positioned to do it. But again, I just don't see a kind of immediacy to actually get you know the proverbial you know um, shovels in the ground to start building these factories. Um, I I actually think it is starting to happen. I think, Good. yeah, and I think it's I think it's huge. It's been a huge difference in the last two years. I think both uh, federally and pr provincially. I mean, certainly Ontario and Quebec, from a provincial point of view, and I and I know Alberta as well, very least, have, have been looking at deals that they can help bring uh, to, to within their their regions. And just to outline the potential of this is that we're going to need millions of, of battery cells, not just to power EVs, but also battery storage. And it, right now we have to import those typically from, from Asia. And so we've got a, a, you know, a long supply chain, a, a carbon intensive supply chain to get those. And, and obviously we've got security risks as well that come with that. And so the closer to where we manufacture vehicles and the closer to where we buy them, that we can make battery cells, the better off we're going to be. And what, what everyone seems to understand really clearly now is that Canada can be the battery manufacturer of North America because we've got the minerals, we've got the um, manufacturing capability and we've got the workforce and we've also got the automotive manufacturing history here to be able to make battery cells from raw material right, right through to installation in the vehicles. And, there's there's not to my knowledge and not not, not that's got any on anyone's radar that equivalency anywhere else in in north america and so there's yeah, that's why you see companies like uh volkswagen and mercedes looking to do deals with um uh with with, with the government of canada to access the um to, to, to get access to those those minerals I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity, obviously, because one of the criticisms of EVs in Canada, or at least at least the the, the push towards them, is the, the 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 slowing of reliance on gasoline and oil. And obviously, that's a big industry in Canada; it employs a lot of people. So it would be good if we can start bringing in jobs in the EV sector here to replace those jobs. Yeah, I and yeah, I mean, absolutely right. I think there's plenty of opportunity here. Um, to, to do that, and I, we need to start that reskilling and retraining process right now. It's um, it, it, get, getting these companies to invest. You know what we've seen is that we, we've had these international companies come and come and make investments in Canada with the support of the federal government and provincial governments. And it, I mean, it's huge amounts of money, and these are huge sort of geopolitical, economic commitments that these organisations are making. So I think it might seem like the wheels are turning slowly, but we have been lucky in having a cadence of announcements recently and uh, I honestly don't know what's coming through the pipe, but I just, I, I hope they, they continue. And as, as they do, you know, one of the things that these companies look for is like, what's the workforce like? Are they going to understand what we're trying to build here and can they right. do it? Yeah. So yeah, that, that training and being on the front foot is, uh, is, is really key to make sure that we get, get those jobs back. So as I said in the intro, I'm a real big fan of, of electric autonomy Canada. You, you do great stuff. One of the one of the really cool things you did recently, um, and it's not a serious. I mean, it, it's kind of serious, but it it was really fun. And what that was was it was a design competition asking for submissions from architects on their vision for the electric fueling station of the future. Um, I encourage anybody to go on the website and look at what these designers came up with because it's mind blowing. 
what was the origin of that idea? And, and how, how, I mean, you guys must've been pleased with how it all came off. <laughs> yeah, we were, it was a, it was a, it was quite a big risk to put it all together, but um, yeah, well, you know, we were seeing these, uh, these designs for EV charging stations from Europe and from Asia that were kind of like reimagining it. If, if there was no gas, Yes. Right. Uh, then what could you do with a with an EV charging station as a as a driver rest stop? And mm-hmm. there, there'd been some a few designs that were coming through, and it was just a matter of being a bit fed up with why were we looking at like Asian or Chinese or like European designs? Where, where's the ones for Canada? And so that was the motivation to like, well, let's do one for Canada, like based on our climate and our needs. And so we, myself and my colleague Alana Weitzman, who is really the architect, if you like, of the of the program. Um, really built this uh, vision for an international um, awards competition for architects to submit their 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 visions for uh, what uh, public EV charging could look like uh, in Canada, specifically for highways, because we felt that whatever happens in urban environments, we will always need public EV charging on highways. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we ran in this international competition. We put up $40,000 of prize money, which was quite a choker, but I think was integral to showing that, you know, this is a serious endeavor. And um, you, d- you, you did know, have a corporate partner with this. We Park, did indeed. Parkland, right? Parkland, yeah. So yeah. for um, p- people that might not be aware that Parkland is, uh, runs um, gas stations across the country. So brands like Esso, Pioneer, Ultramar, Chevron and so on. Um, operate under the uh, under Parkland, and um, and they came on board. Have been fantastic partners in helping to enable this, along with CIBC, Dentons, and Cadillac. And um, yeah, so we got we got over a hundred designs from all around the world, from you know, like many continents. And uh, w- what was just fantastic about it is that Parkland was was so impressed with the the winning design and its feasibility that they've um, committed to build uh, the winning zone in BC. Fantastic. And so, yeah, so as, as a result of this, uh, Canada is going to have one of the most innovative EV charging stations in the world, and it's going to be home to in British Columbia. And, like, you know, kudos to Parkland for really starting on that journey and, and uh, you know, having the ambition with us to really make that, uh, bring that to life. Well, you know, that's their ambition to bring it to life. Uh, you know, full, full kudos to them. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, a, a great concept and, and the fact that it actually is going to produce something is just testimony, I think, to the vision you guys had and obviously Parkland, a bit of a vested interest in their case to get a to get a design for, for a possible station for them. So, um, yeah. but what I love about it is, is obviously from charging a car, you're going to be there 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So it's, 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 it's not just a place to pull up. So the designs are all kind of incorporating lounges almost, right? This kind of like, like things to divert you or little coffee kiosks and things. So a lot of, um, a lot of creativity there. Yeah. Well, it's one of the opportunities that we have because we, with, a, with a gas station, you, you have to bury a huge gas tank underground and that has to be separate from the main building. So that's why you, you don't charge adjacent to buildings. And with, with EV charging, you don't have any of that. So you can actually drive up to the building, plug the charger in, and then immediately walk right onto the podium and start enjoying those facilities. You can have a kid's play area yeah, you know, right nearby. Right. But obviously in a place with flammable liquid fuels, you know, you wouldn't really imagine that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this is also how this, this as you said from in the beginning, a very a good point is the consumer attitudes have to change because you're reimagining the way you travel. 
you're, you're reimagining yeah. what you have to do. Um, and those old habits are hard to break. People are just want to go, 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 you know, and not, not wait 20, 30 minutes when they think they're losing time on the highway or something. Yeah, yeah. It's that, that's absolutely right. I, you know, I, th- I, I think it, it's a healthy thing for people to want to stop and, and <laughs> slow down uh, a little. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, I think if you've been driving for a couple of hours, because yeah, you hear people say, well, I want like 500 kilometers of range or whatever. Well, that, but, you know, that's a lot of driving in one hit. Yeah. Um, and so if you've got enough to get, you know, keep you driving for a couple of hours and, and most people need a washroom break and a coffee after that. And yep. by the time you've done that, your car's you know, pretty well back up to back up to power and you're off, you're off, off on, your, on your way again. So, so last question, what's, what's next for electric autonomy, Canada? Give a, give our listeners maybe a peek into what you guys are planning or is it, is it, you know, you've kind of, you've kind of fulfilled what you had and it's working well and it's just a matter of feeding the beast every day now. <laughs> um, well, we, we, well, there's, there's certainly the, the ongoing daily operations, let's say, which are, are, are certainly a, a big priority and we'll, we'll continue to do our news reporting, but we, we see a lot of need in other areas. So there are, there are, you know, th- three things which I'm really happy to share. One is that we've, uh, we've actually just launched our, uh, an EV fleets education hub. And we know that for fleet owners and operators, it can be very challenging to figure out what steps exactly are required to transition your fleet to electric. Um, there's not been sort of one place that sort of helps you do this. So we've created a um, website, evfleets.ca, which has a series of learning modules, about 30 learning modules and a whole bunch of other tools that helps, um, that really acts as a guide for fleet managers, owners, or anybody who's really looking to show their advancement in their career in this area and to actually start implementing EVs in their fleet. Yeah, it, great idea. It takes them through step by step. Um, yeah. We're running a, a webinar series this fall on EV charging infrastructure. So we've got five webinars uh, coming up and we will be talking about the charging experience uh, as, as one of those. And then uh, in, in May next year, we are hosting a, an EV and charging expo. Uh, it is primarily a, a business to business and uh, event for fleet operators and property developers and so on to come and learn all about and, and, and uh, come and learn all about the EV transition and to actually meet the vendors who can help enable them to make that that transition happen. So that's going to be a pretty major a major gathering um, and, a, and a good education point uh, for some of the business operators out there. Well, I got to say, you know, you're I mean, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people on this podcast who are kind of the shoulder to the wheel people in the EV world. And, and you and your team certainly are, are right up there. And the work you continue to do is is inspiring. So um, oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, and thanks for the work you're doing with Plugged In. And please keep it up. I you know, really enjoy your podcast. And thanks for having me a part, be a part of it. One of the things that always interests me about the EV industry is the sheer number of spin-off entities the transition to electrified transportation has created. Electric Autonomy Canada is a great example. Nino Dakara's vision for the media company and the timing of its establishment were inspired, and the site and its contents have kept pace with the ever-emerging complexities of the electric mobility sector. If you've visited the site before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, check it out today. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest, Nino Dakara, my exceptional producer, Adam Foster, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedinpostmedia.com. For your dose of all things automotive, including up-to-date information on new EVs in Canada, 
be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode, and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from the past four seasons. Thanks as always for listening, and until next time. Thank you.